beautiful. You are listening to More Than a Crown, where you will learn, feel understood, and be encouraged alongside believer, child advocate, ice cream connoisseur, and former Miss USA, Sarah Rose Summers. Superstar guest is Olivia McDaniel, self-proclaimed professional hype girl, founder of the Sisterhood Co., a community striving to embrace femininity, grow in friendship, and fight for each other in Christ. Welcome to the More Than a Crown podcast, Liv. Hello, hello. I'm so excited. Oh my goodness. What a funky world we live in. We actually connected over Instagram. Oh my gosh. I know. It was insane. It just shows you that, you know, whatever you're putting out there and what message you're showing that you're just going to connect with like-minded girls. And I just love that you reached out to me. How awesome is this? It is so cool. And you're in Florida. I'm here in Nebraska. We're quarantining, sheltering in place, yet we still get to share his light and be an inspiration to those that are listening. So it's awesome. Love it. Love it. I know you're in the snow and I'm like bathing in the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, so, so weird. So a couple weeks ago, it did snow like significantly, which is bonkers. In fact, Cotter shoveled snow for the first time in his life because he's a Texas boy. So probably similar to you. Yes. And now it's 85 degrees. So it's just Nebraska. Nebraska is a little bit crazy, but wild. Yes. So can you share how your company Sisterhood Co. came to be? For sure. Yeah. So I'm going to spare you the long story and all the details, but long story short is I was in corporate America doing outside sales. Um, I obviously I played college soccer, went to USF, graduated, got this really good job. And one day I walked into work and I couldn't speak. Um, And I had no idea why. I literally could not make a sound out of my voice. And so obviously being in outside sales, it's just not going to work. You have to talk to clients all day and be out. And so I went to the doctor and I was diagnosed with vocal nodules. So yes, I am like that girl on Pitch Perfect that is surviving with nodes for those that don't know what it is. Um, And so, yeah, so that's kind of how I explain it to everyone. But Um, yeah. So then the doctor told me I had to take off for six months and that was so hard because I'm such a competitive type A person. And so I just graduated college, got this great job and now I'm going to have to quit my job. And so I was just doing a lot of soul searching and just crying out to the Lord and just saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? And obviously I had a lot of side jobs and did modeling and babysitting and, you know, doing whatever I can to make money without a voice And then he just dropped in my spirit that I was just supposed to start something for women. I had no idea what it was. I knew I I worked out a lot and I have that background. And so I just randomly one day just said, I'm going to start workouts in the park. And so I started it and it was literally one girl for like a month. And I'm like, oh, dear God, I did not hear from you right. Like, this is not going to work. And then I just remember the verse saying, if you're responsible over a few, I'll make you ruler over many. And so I was just responsible with that one girl. And then literally the next month we had like 14, 15. And then February, we started averaging like 42 girls every single week for boot camp. And Tim, my fiance actually said, Liv, 
I really want to challenge you because you say that you're helping people with their spiritual walk and their faith, but what are you actually doing for them? And I was like, oh, dang, like way to shoot me right in the heart. So I was like, okay, I guess I need to do something for the faith aspect. And I was honestly really nervous, which is crazy because obviously my, my dad's a pastor and I grew up in ministry my whole life. But I was really nervous because most of these girls, I would say like 80% of them were not believers. And I had atheists in there. I had Scientologists. I had Buddhists. And so when I was announcing that I'm having a Bible study, I was kind of nervous. And so, um, yeah, it just started then back in 2014. It was the lowest point of my life ever. And I just felt like God was saying, give me your not enough. You know, we're never enough but God is more than enough. And that's when miracles happen. So that's kind of how it all started. So it started a little small Bible study in my family room. And yeah. Wow, that is awesome. And it has grown so much. In fact, in November, you had your first conference, right? I did. Oh my gosh, yeah. you're so awesome for seeing that. <laughs> oh my goodness. So cool. It's just beyond exciting. But I also know that any sort of large large event or even a small event, but not to mention a conference is like a lot of work. And so how was, how did it go? What was your goal with it all? Yeah. Looking back, is it something you'll do again? Tell me everything. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. So I started off doing huge fitness events, but then obviously I just really felt like when I was, I think I was 12 years old. It was gosh, 2000. I don't remember. I'm not going to try to do the math here on a podcast. Um, but I'm pretty sure I was 12 years old. I was at a conference and I just remember looking up down at Natalie Grant and saying, I'm going to do this one day. This is exactly what God is telling me to do. I want to inspire girls. I want to speak life into women. And so I just really held tightly to that and really pray that that would come to fruition as I'm submitting my will to God and just humbling myself and being obedient, you know, day by day. And so I finally just one day told my sisterhood leadership team, guys, we're doing a conference. And they're like, Liv, you're such a dreamer. Like, you need to chill out. Like, they didn't say chill out, but they're like, that's a lot. You know, that's a lot to put on. And I was like, listen, God told me to do it. And if I don't do it, I'm being disobedient. So that's on me. (laughs) If I have to do this by myself, we're going to, we're still doing this. So Um, yeah, we announced that we're doing it. I reached out to one of my biggest inspirations, my mentor, um, pastor Amy Dockery, and she's an incredible pastor out in Texas of Covenant Church. And, um, she agreed to do it. And so she flew down, she spoke, we had probably over 500 plus women there at my dad's church. Yeah. And it was, we had a braid bar and like this really cute backdrop and a swing. It was just like, Instagram worthy for sure. <laughs> and it was awesome. so fun. And obviously I, I preached, she preached and it was just, yeah, it was so awesome. So my follow-up questions to all of that is how'd you get 500 women and what was the demographic mostly like? So the whole, I think you said, what was your mission in the conference? I named it unfiltered because I didn't want any kind of conversation to feel staged or like practiced or just superficial. Like my mission in life is like, let's get down to the root. Like, why are you struggling with this? Like, why are you dealing with this? And my testimony is kind of insane. And so I just kind of wanted to like strip down any kind of barriers that would block me between me and any other women. Cause you know, people can look at us and be like, Oh, blonde hair, cute girl. Like, okay, what does she actually go through in life? And so I just kind of wanted to like be vulnerable 
And so we really, our video that I launched that I just made myself, I didn't have anything professional, but I just made a video with our mission statement. And it just says that we're, you know, varying backgrounds, ethnicities, beliefs, ages, you know, and so I wouldn't say there was a one demographic, um, probably 20s to 40s would be like the main group. Like, I know that's kind of a wide range, but... But that's great that you could reach a wide range of people with with your conference. That's awesome. There doesn't have to be, like, a small demographic for sure. That's even more amazing, I think. Yeah, and my dad is a pastor, so obviously all the women from the church, which are a lot older, were there, which was so inspiring because that's that's the goal, right? Mentorship, reaching ahead of you, reaching behind you, learning from the people that have gone before you, and really helping those that are coming behind you. And so... That's kind of the goal in all this. I don't want everyone in sisterhood to look like me. You know, that totally not work. The world does not need like thousands of Olivia's walking around. That is for sure. We all have our part in the body of Christ. And so it's just so important that we have that, you know, um, diverse diversity. That's so cool. And that weekend, is there a specific story that you guys shared that you still have on your heart or um, even one woman that maybe came up to you after and just was super grateful of like her life transformation or what did that, what was your takeaway from it all? I guess my takeaway is number one, like when you're obedient to the Lord and like submit yourself to him and your dreams, he will provide, he will come through, he will equip you. And even with she and sisterhood, it was literally the worst time of my life. And so you just have to like truly trust God. I know that sounds so basic and so elementary, but like trusting him recklessly and just knowing he's going to provide, like I didn't have any funds for this. I didn't have professionals producing like these great videos and promo and everything. It was, it was truly on me and my team. And so my biggest takeaway is just like when we work together as women, when we collaborate together, really freaking awesome things can happen. And, um, I would say as far as people that have reached out, I think I'm just still overwhelmed because I don't think I really took time that night or the next day to like look through every message and every comment. Cause I was just kind of blown away at God and just like, wow, he is so good. And yeah, so I would say a huge takeaway was number one, the fact that pastor Amy Dockery believed in me enough to fly down from Texas and speak at my first ever event, that was very overwhelming because, I mean, she speaks, she has a huge church and she is the lead pastor of her church. And so she really wasn't taking any speaking commitments at all that year, except for like two or three. And so I was just deeply, deeply honored that she came and um, really supported the next generation. It just showed me like, wow, okay, I can do this. Um, and I don't know, that was just probably the biggest thing for me, just having her there, believe in me and, and speak in the middle of her trials and her pain. Cause shortly after she was diagnosed with cancer. And so it's just, oh, wow. yeah, it's just been nuts. But, um, as far as people that attended, I would say just the appreciation for vulnerability was just so awesome. Cause I don't know about you, but I'm an Enneagram three to the core. <laughs> like <laughs> I am like obnoxiously a three. I have to like, Oh, chill out sometimes because the achiever in me just wants to like, 
I'm, I just want to do everything and like win first place and second place isn't okay. And I'm super competitive. And so being vulnerable is a very difficult thing for me um, outside of just like my small sisterhood group. And so sharing my real, raw, honest testimony on stage in front of like 500 women was so hard. But then seeing the reciprocal effect of them just saying, wow, like I had no idea this really helped me. Like my issue doesn't seem so big anymore, or I know that God is real. Um, Those comments were just like, okay, it was all about the one. It's not about the masses. It's about the one. If I can lead one person to Jesus, then it was all worth it. Yes. So true. That's amazing. And had you spoken on public speaking wise, what type of experience did you have? Or did you just kind of go for it? I've always, like I said before, like I've been in ministry my whole life. So being a pastor's kid, you have, you know, random opportunities in the church. And then I lead worship every Sunday. And, you know, when God tells you to speak, you speak. And so I've just kind of been used to that. But on a professional level, I do social media marketing for a living. And so I get asked to speak on panels about, you know, social media and Instagram and trends and all of that. So I've done that. And then I've also spoke at um, just one girls conference, but I haven't done it like for the masses yet. But that is literally the goal in life is to host big conferences all around the world. So hopefully one day that'll happen. Yes. That's amazing. Like you said, you saw, you said Natalie Grant, right? Yep. And knew that was going to be you. You are on the way. That is so cool. Thank you. So Switching gears a little bit, I know that you use the phrase, love is a verb, Mm. sometimes with your sisterhood co-stuff. And so what does that mean to you? Oh, that's a good one. I love that. Yeah, love is a verb. It's an action. Um, You can say it all day long, but until you actually do it, it's, it's a thing, you know? And I always say that there's only so much that a cerebral knowledge of the Lord or of God's love can do. You know, Charles Spurgeon, who is an incredible person, he says that Christians are 18 inches away from their true salvation. This isn't like the world. This is saying Christians are 18 inches away because it's in our head, but it has to get into our heart. And so I truly believe that when we embrace the Lord's presence, when we have an encounter with God's love, then there is action to that. We are so radically changed. We are transformed that we have to do something. And so something I'm reading right now, and I highly recommend everyone to read this book. It's In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. And it's by Mark Batterson. He's also the author of Circle Maker. And I was reading it yesterday, and it broke down the word enthusiasm, and it said how Christians should be the most enthusiastic, passionate people, because the Greek words for enthusiasm means in God, and theos means in God. And so when you're in God, when you're in God's love, like you're radically transformed, you're excited, you're pumped up, you're passionate, and you have to do something. And so that's why I say love is a verb, because when you encounter his love, you can't just sit around and have this love and not give it to anyone. Mm, I love that. It's so cool. And I, I like that you tie it up at the end with a little bow of you can't just not, not give it. And I think a lot of people that maybe have been burned in the past or um, have been hurt are oftentimes 
nervous to get back out there and give love and be open and vulnerable, even with other women and friends. So do you have any stories of heartbreak or whether that's with a boyfriend in the past or even girlfriend, like friendship breakups? Yeah, for sure. I would say, I mean, I don't know. Well, yeah, for sure. Friendship breakups. That sounds terrible. But I would say just like I've said before, being in a ministry background, my heart is to always help my friends and like lead them and There's been multiple occasions where I've had friends live in my bedroom for six or plus months because I'm just like, I don't want you to have to go through what you're going through. Just come live with me. And so in high school, I was actually bullied and girls were really mean to me and like picked on me for my clothes. And I just remember going home like almost every day crying about something. So I never really had a great experience with having girlfriends in high school. It like wasn't... Really? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. I can completely relate. Absolutely. But for those listeners, if you're relating, it gets better. It can get it better. It totally so- does. It yes. totally does. And like I said, I played soccer all through college. And so I always had the team, but I didn't really understand like where the Bible literally says the world will hate you because of me. And like, you're not meant to fit in. I didn't get that <laughs> as a teenager. Like, doesn't really resonate with you very well when people don't like you. And so I definitely went through really hard times. But in college, I felt like I got really, really close to a few girls and finally was able to be vulnerable. And like you said, let my heart like be open to them and was really hard when they stab you in the back. It's so, so hard because you feel like for me, I felt like I did everything possible. I fed you. I clothed you. Literally, you lived in my house. I did everything for you. And then to really go behind my back and do the things that they did was so difficult and so hard. But I must say, and I don't know if you're going to ask this later, but the, the solution, the freedom that I found in that is the Lord really taught me just the power of forgiveness. Mm. And not allowing, because the word says, don't allow unforgiveness, bitterness, or resentment, you know, be in your heart because it'll allow the enemy to have a foothold on you. And so I literally like for, I don't even remember for how long, probably a year, I had such a hard time sleeping at night and I didn't know why. And just randomly God was like, you need to forgive this person. And so it was like 2 (laughs) a.m. Literally it was 2 a.m. And I text my friend and I was like, hey, I forgive you. Actually, I Facebook Messenger because I even like took her phone number out of my phone. Gosh, so dramatic. Um, but I Facebook Messenged her and I just said, I forgive you. And from that night on, I slept perfectly fine and everything was back to normal. And so, yeah, I would say advice for someone who's gone through like a friend breakup or hasn't had a good experience with girls is number one, be the friend that you would like. Obviously, Mm -hmm. model the behavior that you're wanting in a friendship. And so a lot of times that's serving, it's loving unconditionally, it's showing up when you, the last thing that you want to do is like, go show up at their house and be there because you're exhausted yourself. So model the behavior that you want and then just allow grace, you know, like we mess up all the time. None of us are perfect. And so just allowing his grace and forgiveness and love in action, um, just to do that. And I think that love covers a multitude of sins. So. Yes, it's so true. It absolutely does. And that is his truth. But 
uh, question for you is after you sent that text in and told you you forgave her, for listeners and myself who are just curious, did everything go back to normal? Were you BFFs again? Or did you kind of close off that chapter of your life, but you were able to forgive and heal from it? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I actually, we didn't go back to normal. Um, We didn't have that bestie reunited thing. Um, I don't know if it's because I went away to college, came back, not really sure. But I think Jensen Franklin really helped me with that a lot. And he has a book that's called Love Like You've Never Been Hurt. And it just really talks about like, obviously, we've all been hurt, we've all been stabbed, we've all been wounded, but how can we still do the command to love? Because we know that love isn't a suggestion, it's a command. And so if you truly call yourself a Christian, like, we don't have the luxury to not love others. And so he says that you can love from afar. And that really, really helped me is first forgive, like, make it right, hash it out, do whatever you need to do. But then it's okay to love from afar. It's okay that you're not going to be best friends again. Like life will go on. And it's really hard because, you know, we were literally like so tight. We were, if I was anywhere without her, people would be like, where is she at? You know, but it is what it is. And life goes on as long as you do the right thing and you make it right. Um, So I hate that that's not like a fairy tale friendship reuniting story, but it's just the truth. I mean, for me too, anyone that um, hurt me in the past, we we aren't friends to this day, but um, one of them, similar to you, she actually reached out and apologized and I had already forgiven and grieved and grieved that friendship because it is something that you have to grieve and and moved on. Mm -hmm. So I totally get it. But to those of you listening, if you relate to this, like it's hard, but the good ones will come out of the woodworks. I remember I used to think that I would have like no bridesmaids, maybe one or two. <laughs> Same. Here I am. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then I was so blessed when I sat down to figure out who would be standing by my side and who I wanted to be there to celebrate mine and Connor's love and commitment. Um, I could not narrow it down. Oh, so, that's so yeah, awesome. It w- it was beautiful, and so that goes to show we might. We think very narrowly and in the moment, especially sure. when we're younger. But there's a bigger picture and he has a he has a greater plan. Yeah, for sure. And I think I mean, not to get all scientific on you, but the f- <laughs> I'm such a nerd. Before I did marketing, I was a nursing major and so I learned that nice. Yeah. <laughs> so the frontal lobe of your cerebral cortex isn't even formed until you're twenty five. And so you can't even evaluate like big decisions or like, what is it? You can't, uh, oh, you can't really rationalize consequences yet. So until you turn, I think it's either 24 or 25. So my life, I heard that growing up and they're like, you're not really intelligent until you're 25. And I'm like, what the heck? That's so not true. But it's true. Like as far as like friendships and stuff, I feel like after that or after college or during college, you just learn like what's most important and just really investing in girls. And similar to you, I have literally the best girlfriends on the planet right now that I know that I can call on and they would pray for me. And so, yeah, it does get better. 
<laughs> that is so beautiful. And that being said, not only do you have amazing girlfriends, but you also got yourself a fiance. I Congratulations. Do. Thank you. That is so exciting. How is that? Are you guys actively wedding planning? Are you just choking up the fiance season? Fill me in. Oh my gosh. So well, we have been together. It's crazy. So May 7th nine will be... Nine years. Yes, nine years. I read that on Instagram and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So next year is like our decade year, which is legit insane. And I can't believe my next... Bir- I'll be 30, my next birthday, which Yay. is just weird. Um, And so the plan... So for everyone that thinks like, okay, I'm going to be married by this year. I'm going to have kids by this year. I'm going to have this much money in the bank. Like, I'm so happy. Keep dreaming. Keep shooting for that. But don't be heartbroken when it doesn't all go to plan. Because obviously, like, if it did, Tim and I would have been married, gosh, seven years ago. Um, So I just want to encourage someone, if you're in your waiting season, to just wait well. Um, We aren't actively wedding planning right now. I have a super insane testimony about that. I don't know which direction you want to go with that. But um, yeah, so we're long distance right now and it's really hard. It totally sucks. And obviously with this quarantine, I haven't seen him since February. And so... Where is yeah. he based? He's actually only like an hour and a half away from me, but um, we're not a lot. Yeah, we can't see each other. So, yeah, it's super oh, difficult. Yeah, and we only get phone calls, but you know, I I must say that through counseling girls and through just this time, I just always tell girls, "Hey, are you really going to settle for someone lower than God's best or are you like I truly believe with my whole entire being that Tim is God's best for me. And that's why like waiting is so easy because he has taught me. Like when you ask me questions about love and what does love and action mean and all of his stuff, Tim has literally taught me all that because like I said before, I had this knowledge, I had the word, I had this cerebral understanding of what it means, but he has truly shown me. So even though we are in this season of waiting and not knowing when our wedding is, which for a girl, you know, we've dreamed of this our whole lives. So it's like driving me insane with all these Pinterest boards and just, ah, wanting it to happen already. Um, But, you know, like God is so faithful and it, it just, he is everything to me. Like God has been there and it just allowed me to have just a true, like deep experience with the Lord. And I know I always go back to Jesus, but it's just, it's truly who I am. And Um, he, like with any relationship, if you say you're Christian, like it's a triangle, you know, it's supposed to be you, your significant other and God. And if you're not working on your relationship with God together, you can't expect your marriage to flourish. You just can't because it's not centered on God's love. And so I'm just so thankful for this time because we have been able to have so many conversations and just be rooted in the word and rooted in God's love that it. I'm not really worried about it. (laughs) That's amazing. So Connor and I were actually long distance too for three years before we got married. So I I totally get it. I feel you there. Um, But going back a little bit, you said that part of why you guys have been waiting is like a whole testimony on its own. So is that something you're feeling called to share about? 
or I, do you want to kind of move on? Yeah. I mean, I prayed before I got on today and I said, Lord, if she asks me about it, <laughs> then I'll totally share, but I'm not going to just come out with it because it is a little intense, but you know, it's my story. And so if I don't share it, I feel like, anyways, I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> okay. Um, so girls that are listening, um, back in 2000, 13, um, Tim was going to a fundraiser for cancer, to strike out cancer. I was leading worship that night. We have this whole week during October of extended worship services, and it's just really like leaning in and like pressing in to God and all of that stuff. And so the one night that Tim couldn't go, he had this fundraiser to go to, and it was in Tampa. And on the way back from the fundraiser, he got in a car accident going 23 miles per hour. And the woman in the back seat of the other car wasn't wearing a seatbelt and she was tragically killed. And Tim had alcohol in his system. He wasn't like belligerent. He still walked the line, still counted backwards from 70, but he did have alcohol in his system. And um, he ended up getting sentenced to DUI manslaughter. And so his accident was back in 2013 and he was in jail for four days and he was released on bond for about two and a half years. And for those two and a half years, the following year after his accident, I started she, I started sisterhood, which is why, because I needed good girlfriends during that time um, to really focus on God and to like really help each other in tough times. Um, It was really out of a need for myself that I created this ministry. And so Tim and I, for these two and a half years, had no idea what was going to happen. We just knew that we were going up against the toughest judge in Tampa and that the maximum would be he would go to prison for 15 years. And so obviously, this is seven years ago, so I'm 22. And I'm just freaking out. Like, what does this look like? Does this mean I could ever get married? Am I ever going to be able to have kids? Like, by the time he gets out, am I going to be infertile? Like, these are things I'm freaking out about. And so during that whole waiting period, we were just not zombies, but just like, what in the world do we do? And just praying and crying out to the Lord. And finally, he got the phone call that Um, from his attorney that we were going to settle, take a plea deal for seven years. And shortly after April of 2016, he got sentenced to seven years in prison and eight years of probation afterwards. And so ever since 2016, he has been there. And so it's been so incredibly hard. And during that whole time, my papa was diagnosed with stage four brain cancer and he passed and I was diagnosed with Lyme disease and all of these other sicknesses and just so much, so much loss. I was ripped in my fitness business. I was franchising a gym and lost it. And so it's truly been like seven years of loss and heartache and pain. But even though Tim's in prison, I'm here. It's really beautiful to see how God works because you know, we're not invincible. You know, he was in ministry his whole life. I was in ministry my whole life. But good, like bad things can still happen to good people. And so when bad things happen to you, like what is inside of you? What's inside of your heart? And I, the sermon I preached for sisterhood was, is it in you? 
you know, when all hell hits the fan, what are you going to choose to do? And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of been our story. And it's not a pretty story. It's, it's very messy. It's, it's um, not exciting to share about, but that is our story. So he technically, if he serves the full time, he has a little under two years left. Wow. Thank you so much for being so open and I mean, just owning your story because there are so many people that it will touch, whether they can relate to it or they think that that they're waiting a long time, you know, if they're just waiting during the season of quarantine, you know, to be able to look at a godly woman like yourself and say, wow, she's she's waiting for her man for this extended period of time. And um, I just think it's so beautiful that you've been able to stand by him and um, be there. So, so now I understand the hour and a half Thank drive. You. Do you guys have visits? Yeah. So for oh, the first good. three years, I visited him every weekend. He was up near Gainesville, so he was like three hours away. Okay. Um, but now he's in Polk, like Lakeland area, so he's not too far. But obviously, with the quarantine, I haven't seen him since February. So as soon as this thing is lifted, like that's the thing I look forward to. I know everyone's like, quarantine, yay, fun. Let's go out with friends. I'm like, no, I just want to go see my fiance in prison. Yay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Do you guys get, um, I don't know the proper term, but it's full okay. contact? Full yeah, contact so visit? Oh good. So you can like hug him. Yeah. So you get a hug and a kiss when you nice. first get there and then when you leave. So... Yeah. No, I'm sorry. So You're good. probably thinking to yourself, what the heck, Liv? You should have like warmed me up before. No, no, not at all. I mean, it's, it, this is life, right? This yeah. is real. And so I think that's, that's amazing. And I'm sure that you guys have um, reconciled and grieved with that family as well. I think mm-hmm. that the fact that you have, you're both Christians mm-hmm. is, is amazing because if something like this happened to and it does every day, right? Tragedy right. happens to non-Christians often. Yeah. And that's one question that we're all faced with is, mm-hmm. um, especially from non-believers, is if there's a God, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you even said that, right? You said like, yeah. he's a good person and look what happened to him. Um, and that's a question that believers have to wrestle with. But yeah. um, as as someone who works in ministry, how do you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, there's a few different things that I say because obviously my my dad has always taught us growing up, question everything. Don't just believe because I believe. Like really study the Bible and really ask the, the hard questions. And this is probably like, I would say top three <laughs> hardest questions um, for Christians. And one thing I would say is the Bible says, in this world, you will have troubles you will have trials. Then it says, take heart. I have overcome the world. And so God is literally saying, it's not saying you might have troubles. You might have trials. It's saying you will have troubles. You know, when Adam and Eve brought sin into this, this world, unfortunately, that's just the repercussions. There, there's a curse. There is, you know, pain in childbirth. There is, there's sin. And so, um, when that happened, we have free will. We know what, you know, God is so sovereign, but we still have choices. We can choose to do the right thing or to do the wrong thing. God isn't like a 
puppet master with strings, like doing everything for us. Like we have, we, we can choose to do right or do wrong. And so unfortunately when you do something wrong, there's repercussions of that. And, you know, on the flip side, you know, there's people that one of my friends, babies die. Like, why does that happen? You know, those are really, really hard things, but we have to just really cling hope tightly to the hope, you know, of, of Jesus and just that he has overcome the world. You know, that we are going to go through really hard times, but we have him. We have him as our source. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And even in times when I'm just like, God, why? Why? You know, I'm over here at 29 years old, still waiting for Tim. Both my sisters have gotten married. Both of them have had kids. And it's really hard. And you want to question that a lot. But like, we just have to truly, truly trust that God wants what's best for us, that he's not out to like, destroy us. He really wants the best for us. And it doesn't make sense. And this is something that obviously we can talk about for a while, but yeah, why do bad things happen? I don't know. I mean, sin and the enemy is a real thing. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a real thing. It says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but it's, it's a spiritual battle. And so, um, I would just, yes. I would just say like cling tightly to the word, cling tightly to Jesus and God can handle our emotions. That is something that I say to the girls a lot. When you're angry, when you're pissed off, when you are struggling and you're just questioning why, instead of running away and just being mad about it and like drinking about it. Cause you know, in the past, like I was in corporate America and everyone's just like, let's go to happy hour and forget about it. It's easy Mm -hmm. to get stuck in that routine. It's so easy. And I've totally been guilty in doing that before. But like God created you with emotions. So if you're angry, just yell at him, you know, just say, God, why? Or cry out and say, Lord, help me with this because he can be your counselor. He can be your healer. He, He is everything that we need. And so in times of trouble, in times when bad things happen, like let him be your source. Yeah, it's so true. There's, um, I've heard before that we can't turn to fight things we're struggling with in the physical when they're meant to be fought in the supernatural, in the it's spirit. So good. And I think cases like that, it's just so true. There's nothing in this world, in this earthly world that will satisfy us. It's all we need to turn to him. And that being said, with, with the things that um, are hard, right, of how how is there a God if bad things happen to good people? It's important to, I love that you noted that the enemy and sin is real. Um, oftentimes mm-hmm. that question is also phrased as, well, why does God do bad things? Like why yeah. did God let that happen to you? Yeah. And it's so important for those of you who are listening um, to, to soak in his truth that that that's not God doing that. Um, it right. is. It is sin. It is the the evil in this world because, unfortunately, that's also just as alive. Yeah, it's so true. And like I said too, like we have free will, you know. And so many people are like, "Why did God make me do this?" Like you were just saying, and it's like, no, God, God definitely didn't do that because God is the author of everything good. And so, mm-hmm. so if it's if if. For example, if you have this dream or you're wanting to do something, if God's leading you to it, he's going to equip you for it. He's going to give you the resources. He's going to give you the tools. If if it's something that's from your fleshly sinful desire and it doesn't turn out the way that you expected, it's not from God. <laughs> you know, that relationship that you're chasing, a, a guy and he's not a godly man and he hurts you, like 
that totally sucks, but God didn't do that. <laughs> you know, it's, mm. we have that choice and it, it's Priscilla Shire has a book. Um, I keep saying books. It sounds I like, like I read you're a lot. A reader. You <laughs> <It's> are. <laughs> it sounds like I read a lot, which I totally don't. But in sisterhood, we pick a new devotional like every time we're done with one. Um, so it forces awesome. me to have to read. <laughs> but she has a book called Armor of God, and it and just talks about the armor of God, and it breaks down and says that we don't fight against flesh and blood; it's spiritual warfare, and that the enemy. These fiery darts from the enemy aren't meant to destroy you, but they're meant to distract you. You know, if the enemy can distract you, get you off your purpose, get you off your calling, he can isolate you. He can create second doubt in your mind. And so then you're thinking, well, I was never supposed to do this in the first place. But, you know, they weren't meant to destroy us. You know, we have the armor of God. We have the weapons. We have the tools. We have the resources to fight. It's just we have to recognize this spiritual battle and just rely on the Lord for it. Yeah. And I love how you specifically talk to, you know, girls that are in a season of singleness and yes. if they're pursuing, if they are pursuing the man right now, or yes. um, if they're in a bad relationship, whatever that may be. So a lot of my demographic that listens very well, maybe in that situation. So what's your message to the single girls that are especially lonely during this quarantine. Yes. Like one of my best friends, she lives with her girlfriend, but that her friend's boyfriend has been there like 24-7. So she's been professional third wheeler of oh. quarantine. <laughs> yeah. I so totally like, feel her. <laughs> yeah. More now than ever. It's like you just want a companion. You want your person there with you. So what's your message to those girls? Yeah, I love this subject so much. And a lot of my girlfriends can say I get a little intense just because I want the absolute best for every girl out there because I have experienced such a freaking awesome love that I just don't want anyone to settle for anything lesser. And so what I would say during this season of waiting is number one, just to wait well. Wait well, you know it, it. It talks in the Bible all the time about waiting, and we're just like, okay, I get it. Like I'm, I'm sick of waiting, and you just want this waiting period to be over. But there's so, so much good in the waiting, and I, I can't stress that enough. Like once Tim was sentenced, it was literally the hardest thing I've ever been through, and I just remember like being stripped of everything that was me because he was so affirming and so he was my biggest cheerleader. And so when I didn't have that. I truly had to find who I was again. It's just this weird thing that happened. And so I, God really dropped in my spirit, like, don't resent the wait. Don't like just sit around and wait for Tim to get home or wait for your husband or this new guy to come along to start your life, to start doing ministry, to start doing what God has called you to do. Wait well, learn from this way. You know, there's so many scenarios in the Bible where it says like, there was a journey that say it should have been 12 days, but it took them 40 years because they didn't learn in their in their period of waiting. They took the long route. And so I just want to encourage all you ladies. Oh my goodness. I wish I could just like shake you and hug you all at the same time. <laughs> right. Um, through the AirPods they're listening. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. Because God has so much for you. And so this is the most beautiful season just to work on yourself. And I don't mean your outward appearance or physicality, any of that. I mean, like really allow your worth to be in the Lord. And if you're not a Christian, just find ways to like improve yourself, find ways to, to practice like 
mental health, emotional health. And I always say like, deal with those root issues now, you know, because you don't want to get into a marriage where you're carrying all of these insecurities, all of these, um, self-deprivating thoughts. And, and so this is just such a good time to lean into that, to be alone with God. And something I say a lot is you're not lonely. You're alone. There's a big difference between being alone and being lonely. Lonely is kind of like a pitiful feeling. It's like, oh, what a loner. Like, this is so sad. This is awful. But being alone with God is literally a beautiful place to be because it's you and Him. This is when you can focus on your relationship with Him and you can allow Him to be enough. Because you know what? I'm sorry to to say this because it's not Pinteresty or like, yay, follow your heart. You know, we weren't created enough. We aren't worthy enough. We aren't good enough because if we were created enough, we wouldn't have room for God because He makes us more than enough. Through Him, we are worthy. We are enough. But but I think that's where the world is so wrong. And I think that a lot of girls get down this track of, you know, feminism and female empowerment and all this stuff. They're like, oh, I'm enough. Like, I'm worthy. But no, God is the only one that can make you enough, that can make you full and satisfied without any man. And so, gosh, I'm really passionate about this, Sarah. I'm really sorry. but I love it. (laughs) But just focus on that. And then the second thing is just have the best girlfriends. This is the time to have seriously girls night every night. Like (laughs) seriously, just focus on your girlfriends. I cannot even tell you once Tim left, I know this sounds terrible, but it's just the truth. I found literally the best girlfriends. And now when he comes back, I just don't know what I'm going to do because I'm not going to have girls night every night, you know, bachelor night and wine on Mondays and taco Tuesday and, you know, all the nights with my girls. I mean, there's going to be a healthy balance, but you know, find that girlfriend, really invest in them and speak life because you're going to get what you give. And so, yeah. Oh, I love it. You are such a beautiful example of, um, perseverance and choosing the positivity in the hardship. Like the fact that you said you're not sure, like obviously you want more than anything for him to be by your side and for you guys to be getting married and everything. But I love that you're able to stay so positive and just focus on the joy of girls nights. Like I can hear it in your (laughs) voice. It's so genuine and and joyful. I love it. Oh, thank you. Yes, absolutely. So if you've listened to more than a crown before, you know that my podcast is not necessarily a pageant podcast, even though crown is in the title, but I conspired this podcast concept and the title at the end of my year as Miss USA. And during that time, it's such a strange transition. You know, it's something Mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't talk about. You win Miss USA and they up and move you to New York City for the year. And that's literally an overnight 360 change in your life. But then when you crown the new Miss USA, just as much of an an abrupt change. And so after that, I wanted to continue to utilize my platform that I had built to share other stories as well and inspire my following. So um, I had to remind myself that I am more than that crown and I get to do something with it. So Right I now, love that so much. Oh oh, my thanks, Liv. Thank love you. <laughs> That's the reasoning behind it all. 
I um, love it. I remember when you were Miss USA, I was like, oh my gosh, I love her. She's so spunky and so fun. She speaks her mind. And I just love that you were just your bubbly self because I felt like I could totally relate to that. And so, oh, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. So before we go, my last question for you is, what are you reminding yourself that you are more than? Ooh, I would say the first thing that comes to my mind is just my failures. Yeah, more than my failures. Because like I had mentioned before, being an Enneagram type three, I think we're all obsessed with Enneagram these days. So that's why I'm using it. Um, you know, my I'm driven by success. I'm driven by achieving things. And being a college athlete, like I'm very competitive. And so when I fail, it's like life shattering. Like my identity for so long was in my successes, was in my performance. And so today, like this last few weeks, I just said, Lord, like, I don't need to be reminded of my failures anymore. I need to be more than that. And I just know that through you, I'm more than a conqueror. And I just need to allow myself to look foolish, to look like, it's okay. Like failure is a totally normal thing and just be willing to fail and just allow God to do his thing. And so yeah, when you first asked me that, I would say more than my failures, for sure. That's awesome. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Liv. You are such a joy, like a radiant personality, a radiant, beautiful woman. So where can our listeners continue to follow you? Oh, yes. So I do most of my stuff on social media on Instagram. So you can just follow me on Instagram. It's simplyliv.co with the L-I-V, not (laughs) L-I-V-E. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. Thank you so, so much. And listeners, I hope and I know with confidence, I truly believe that you got something out of this episode today. So please subscribe, share it with your friends, tag us at more than a crown on Instagram. And if you're feeling it, write us a positive review on your go-to podcast source. We'll catch you next time.